Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. <clears throat> Glory to God. <clears throat> I love it that, that you have a freedom to put your hands together and praise God and thank Him for what He's done. Hasn't He been good in your life, guys? Hasn't God been good in your life? God is so good. I haven't gotten over it yet. I, I was uh, back in the green room and the Lord put this verse on my mind. It's in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Isn't that great? I will give you rest. That's the heart of God. I don't know where your relationship is with God today, but God wants to give you rest. Anybody need rest? You just need to turn to the Lord and God will give you rest. He loves you so much. I'm grateful for the grace of God over my life. I'm grateful for God's good goodness in every way. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your, uh, your word. Thank you for your open arms. And we turn to you. Uh, we do recognize we're not enough on our own. We need you, God. You are God. And, and I ask, Lord, now that you just move here in a special way. Bless this message. Anoint it according to your word. May your spirit fall fresh on us. I pray that you move in the heart of the person who's distracted right now, God. Uh, the person who's far from you. The person who's close to you. Wherever, wherever we're at, Lord, may your spirit move in every heart. You know the circumstances around our life right now. May we learn to trust you. May we learn not to fear. May we learn not to worry. May we learn to walk by faith. And Lord, I pray that you just continue to move in this service. I pray that you have your way. And also, Lord, I pray for those who are ill, those people who might be sick or battling something. Would you just heal them, Lord? Would you provide? Would you encourage? And would you have your way in every heart? And if that's the desire of you, would you just say in the name of Jesus, I pray. And then say, amen. Amen. All right, before you sit down, turn to someone next to you and just tell them God is with you. And then we can uh, jump into this here, guys. God is with you. God is with you. So thanks for being here. Hey, I'm going to keep talking about this for the next few weeks. So uh, hope you don't mind if I talk about it again here. Um, <clears throat> so we have Christmas Eve services coming up. Did everybody get a card when you came in? Um, hopefully you got a card. If we didn't give you a card, our guest relations people, make sure we get a card to everyone as they leave the worship center, whoever's uh, at the door. So make sure you get one. But uh, in the, on this card, uh, it, it, we're, we're, pr we're promoting our six Christmas Eve services that we're doing this year. Um, we have a lot of people involved with this. We're putting a lot of work. In fact, the theme is, are the words of the angel Gabriel when she told when she told Mary, "Nothing is impossible with God," and that's what we're running with. So we're going to really do our best to show that we have a God who can do anything. And um, Christmas Eve is one of those times where people are are most likely to be open. To attending church. Um, if, if you're like me growing up, I went to church because I had to, and eventually I stopped going to church completely, and I would only go for funeral services. That was the only time you'd see me at church, and then Jesus got a hold of my life, and it changed everything, but uh, I want you to know a little secret. Everyone needs God. Everyone does. Everyone, nobody has it all together. We all need the grace of God. All of us do, and, and this is an opportunity to uh, to bring life to them. I'll do my best to preach 
preach Jesus in a loving way and an encouraging way, as always. And, and I'll, I'll do that, but you need to bring them. So you could be responsible for sending someone to heaven. We had our, uh, our fire department came by this last, uh, this week and they were walking around, you know, they do the fire checkups and all that stuff, which is really a lot of fun. Anyway, uh, <laughs> they came by and I've been through these enough and they were, you know, we were talking about, you know, everything with the fire department is driven by really deaths and lawsuits and all that stuff. And then they make new code and all that stuff. But I, I while we were walking, I told them, you know what guys, and there were, I think three or four of them. I said, you know what guys, there's a bigger fire that you guys should be concerned about. And then one of them got it, and he looked at me. <laughs> I told him, there's a bigger fire. So uh, bring someone to church. Um, this is the one. Preaching fire, hell, and brimstone today. <laughs> fire, hell, and brimstone. Oh, and uh, Christmas, uh, we have tonight, we have our kids program, and it's going to be at 6 p.m. What time, church? What time? So <clears throat> how many of you do not have any kids in this program? Raise your hand. Okay, all of you raising your hand, you're coming tonight. So just make sure you're aware of that. This is a way to encourage our kids. This is a way, uh, you may not have kids or your kids may be past that stage or you may have been too busy to be part of it. Whatever it is, this is a simple way to encourage our kids. We have amazing volunteers who've been giving up their Sundays for months now. Every Sunday afternoon, instead of watching the Broncos lose, they've been here <laughs> loving on kids and it's been way cool. So it's a way to just encourage the church body and, and be here. So please be here early. It'll be a, a good time. So um, the series that we're in right now is Timing is Everything. Timing is Everything. As I've discovered as I walk with the Lord, you know, uh, you know learning that is a big deal. I, I didn't know that fully when I started my relationship with God. I, before I knew God, I, I, I didn't, I just kind of things, thought things kind of happened whenever they happened. And I was really clueless. But what I've discovered with God is he's an intentional God. He doesn't waste any experiences. In fact, the experiences that you're having right now, God is building you up. God is speaking to you. He is speaking to you. He's building you up. He's not wasting any time. You might think you're wasting time. You might think you're in the in-between of life. And I want you to know timing is everything. God's ultimate goal is for you to know him. God's ultimate goal is for you to walk with him. Jesus wants you to know him. And he knows what's going on in your life and your heart and your, your worries and concerns. He sees everything clearly. He sees you when you wake up at 2 a.m. and nobody else is awake. He's the God who doesn't sleep or slumber. You can cry out to him anytime. That's who he is. So praise the Lord. So, uh, so, so timing is everything. There's this one verse that I want to highlight today, and it's a super popular Christmas verse. It's typically talked about every Christmas or Christmas Eve, and, and you might even know it. Um, you know, I, I didn't grow up in the church a whole lot at all, but I knew about this verse. I heard about it once or twice, and it's Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, therefore, say therefore with me, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, behold, say behold with me. That's like the only time we say the word behold, I think, every year. It's like, this is it, behold, say it again, behold. It's not a word that we use a lot, like, like behold, I took the trash out today. You know, we don't say anything like that. <laughs> behold, grace, I'm home. You know what I mean? It's just like... This is a big behold. Behold, say it again. Behold, a virgin. You know what that means, right? A virgin. You understand what that means? Okay. Will be with child and bear a son. And she will call his name, what church? Emmanuel. 
Isn't that a popular verse? Have anybody, have any of you have heard that verse before? You're familiar with it just a little bit, behold, right? Um, as, I, as I look at that, that verse, and, and of course, uh, other versions say Emmanuel, it means, uh, it means God with us. God with us. That's a powerful, powerful word. God desires to be with you. God desires to be in your house. God desires to be in your business. <laughs> God desires for you to know him. This verse Super popular. Um, I want to talk about the story behind this verse. When this was first written, or this was first shared through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 7, there was a story behind this word. Most people don't know what that word is. I was talking to someone just yesterday. Have you, do you know the story behind it? And they said, no, I don't know the story behind it. I'm going to share the story behind it because it'll make this word even more Powerful. And the truth is, as we look at these characters, I think we'll be able to identify with some of the characters behind this word. This word, Emmanuel, God with us, has a purpose. And what God does many times is, as he did when this was written, this was written 700 years before Jesus was born. 700 years. And God was using this awesome prophet named Isaiah, one of our major prophets, and he used it. And, and at the time when this was shared, um, I just a little bit more of the backdrop behind this before we jump into the story, uh, the context. It's always important to look at scripture and know the context around it. Um, Israel, the, the, the nation, the, the land was divided. So there was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Okay. This all happened after King Solomon, after he had a hard time and he slept with foreign women and all kinds of stuff happened. But anyway, there, there's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. So there, there's these kings involved. So like the southern kingdom has its own king, and this is known as Judah. And the northern kingdom has its own king. This is known as Israel. And then there's this other nation that's not part of the promised land that's just above them. So, so I want to just... Uh, I want to just start off, guys, with reading it. Verse 1 says this. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, and grandson of Uzziah, Uzziah, say Ahaz with me, Ahaz. That's the dude that we're going to be looking at a lot. Ahaz. One more time, guys. Ahaz. Son of Jotham and grandson of Uzziah was, was king of Judah, king Rezin of Syria, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, set out to attack Jerusalem. However, they were unable to carry out their plan. So we have three kings right here, guys. <laughs> not, not we three kings. These are the three kings. These are the foolish ones. These aren't the wise ones. These are the foolish ones. Did you know, incidentally, there, we don't know how many kings there were really, the wise kings. We really don't know. We always say we three kings. Anyway, that's a Christmas Day story or Christmas Eve message. But anyway, so these three kings right here, you have the king of Judah. His name is Ahaz. And then you have this other king of, of Syria known as Rezin. I think that's a cool name. Rezin. And then you have Pekah, who's the king of Israel, right? So you have, uh, I, I don't have anything to draw this. So you have like, uh, you have Aza right here. Ahaz, excuse me, Ahaz right over here. And then you have Pekah and then you have Rezin. So because, because Syria is above all of this. So you got Judah, Israel, and Syria. So, so you have these three kings. Incidentally, none of them are righteous guys. None of them. In fact, Ahaz He's, he's part of the good place. I mean, he's part of Judah, and he is the most evil king Judah had ever had. And this is a guy who worshipped a, a horrible god named Molech, and he would actually offer his very own son as a sacrifice to this god of Molech. He was just not a good guy. Uh, one Bible scholar described uh, Ahaz as cowardly, superstitious, and hypocritical. Incidentally, probably the biggest thing about Ahaz is he had a son a godly son named 
Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a righteous king. That's a whole other message when you feel like, like, you know what? I grew up in a home that doesn't go to church. I grew up in a home that's not Christian. I grew up in a home that was just, you know, into all this stuff that I know they shouldn't have been. But you know what? You can turn that around by the way the decisions you make today. You can turn that around and you can start a whole new legacy by the way you live today. That was Hezekiah. Ahaz's Ahaz's kid. All right, so here it goes. Verse 2, the news had come to the royal court of Judah. Syria is allied with Israel against us. So Syria and Israel, they're joining up. They're teaming up. Okay, it's like a huge, huge gang. They're teaming up. So the hearts of the king, that's Ahaz, and his people trembled with what church? With what? And like what? Like trees shaking in a storm. So you have Syria and their ally, they're joining forces with Israel. They're coming together. Israel's up here. Syria's up here. Judah's down here. So you have Syria and Israel and they're, they're joining forces and they're getting stronger. You got soldiers and two armies coming together and they're thinking, you know what? Let's take over Judah where Ahaz is at. Let's take over. So they're coming together and Ahaz sees this, this, this coward king, (laughs) he sees this whole thing and scripture says that he's afraid and he's trembling with fear like trees shaking in a storm. Fearful, full of fear, full of fear. And then verse three says, then the Lord said to Isaiah, the prophet, take your son, Shir Yashub, and go out to meet King Ahaz. So now God's going to have a little conversation with King Ahaz, the one who's shaking like, a, like, 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 like leaves. He said, go out and meet him. You will find him at the end of the aqueduct that feeds water into the upper pool near the road leading to the field where, where cloth is washed. I, I love this because it seems such like such an insignificant, you know, but it also, uh, it also says this is legit. This is true. This is so true. It's like, it's like a, a narrative, like, like this is what happened. And this is where he's going to be right by the, this, this, this aqueduct. Go, go talk to him. Uh, verse four. And it says, tell him to stop worrying. Tell him he doesn't need to fear the fierce anger of those burned out embers. King Rezin of Syria and Pekah, son of Ramalia. That's Israel. So uh, the word is, uh, tell him to stop worrying. Stop worrying. Say, stop worrying with me. Stop worrying. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, stop worrying. Can you do that? Just stop worrying. Now, now, now uh, I, I, I wish it was that simple, don't you? You can just say, okay, I'm not going to worry anymore. You said stop worrying, so I'm not going to, I mean, wouldn't it be cool if it was that easy? Like, okay, I'm going to uh, stop worrying. Okay, I'm going to stop worrying about everything, you know. And, and God has a message to Ahaz, and the Ahaz is stop worrying. Stop worrying. Worrying. You ever, you ever worry? All of us worry, right? Someone described worry like this, to feel or cause, to feel troubled over actual or potential difficulties, expressing anxiety. In fact, the word worry, if you look at the old English word, worry, the root, you know what it, it is? To choke, to strangle. That's what that word, that's what, that's what the old English, to choke. 
or strangle, to harass by tearing, biting, or snapping, especially at the throat, mental distress or agitation resulting from concern, usually for something impending or anticipated. So worry can be brought up by simply just, you can be sitting down at home, nothing happening, and you can be sitting down at the kitchen table and overcome with worry. In your car, you can just be sitting in your car. You don't have to be driving or you could be doing whatever. And you can be sitting there and you're thinking about what might happen. And you worry. Blood pressure changes and it affects you physically. And all of a sudden things happen and it's manifested. You're worrying. Jesus talked about this. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 at the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. What you will wear. Is not life more, more, more than food and, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or, or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Jesus said, don't worry. You don't have to worry. And in fact, worrying is a waste of time. Worrying is a waste. It's not productive at all. For those of you who have a desire to be productive and you desire to be successful and you desire to do all that and you're a checklist, worrying does nothing for you. When you worry, nothing changes. The only thing that happens is between, right here between your ears. It's the only thing that happens, and it creates anxiety inside of you. And God tells King Ahaz, don't worry about those two other kings. I know they're bigger than you. I know their armies are bigger. And when they come together, they're going to be bigger. But the message is, do not worry. Stop, stop, stop worrying. Uh, the, the actual root word for worry is to be drawn in different directions. So I had a couple of guys. Come on up here, uh, Joe and Mateo. Can I get your help now? To be drawn in, in different directions. So I want to make sure you remember this picture right here because this is what it means to... Uh, to uh, you guys can each come around on both sides. <laughs> and, uh, and this is what worry is. So we, it's to be drawn in different directions. That's what, that's what, you can put a little more straight in the tail. I'm stronger. You can, yeah, you know, look how strong I am, man. I can, I can have <laughs> This is what it is. It's like, I think I should do this. I'm not sure. Oh my, this might happen. I'm afraid. I'm not sure. I, this might happen. I, I, I need, I can't sleep at night because I'm worried about this. And I can't, I, it's really in my mind the whole time. And, and we have to, we're, I'm in fear. I'm fearful. This might happen. And I don't know what's going to be drawn in two different directions. You guys were so much better than last night. I'm just saying. <laughs> I picked the wrong dudes last night. <laughs> they were yanking me around like a rag doll over here. <laughs> I don't know. They had some, you know, built-up anger or frustration towards me or something last night. It was, but thank you. You guys were awesome to be drawn in different areas. Anybody living in that place right now? You're just, you're just living in that place. Praise the Lord, God is good. Oh, we got it. This might happen. I don't know about this. Oh, God is faithful. Oh, he's so good. oh, I don't know. This might. Anybody drawn in two different directions? Last week, we talked about uh, practical atheists. 
Practical atheist is someone who intellectually knows, intellectually believes, but they don't live it out in their heart and their decisions don't reflect what they know. The practical atheist. There's a difference, incidentally, between worry and concern. It's okay to be concerned, but worry is different. Here's the difference. Worry paralyzes you and concern motivates you. Worry paralyzes, concern motivates. Worry fears the worst, but concern hopes for the best. Worry makes you want to control the future, but concern surrenders the future. Worry makes you forget what's most important. It's very self-consuming. It's very self-centered. But, but concern, concern um, keeps what's most important first. You don't forget what's most important. That's the difference with worry. In fact, in, in Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus talks about worry, he says these three words over and over and over. He says, take, take no thought. He says this in verse 25 and verse 31 and, and verse 34, uh, Matthew chapter 6. And he says, take no thought, take no thought, take no thought. He's giving you like, like uh, the secret sauce of how not to worry. Sometimes you're like, okay, I shouldn't worry about this. I'm not worried about it, but everybody knows you're worried about it. You know what I mean? You ever seen that? Like, yeah, I'm not worried about it, but everything about you says you're worried. Some of you, your real problem is you have a thinking problem. You do not control your thoughts. Your thoughts control you. That's the issue. You're just like a puppet to your thoughts. And whatever thought races through your head, you convince yourself it must be true. And it may, may not even happen yet, but your thoughts are your master. And they are controlling you. So you really have a, a thought problem, a thinking problem. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, do not be anxious about anything. There it is. In other words, don't worry. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So, so here he's saying, okay, this is how you handle it. When something makes you concerned or you feel like worry is coming, instead of being anxious, pray. Prayer is powerful. Prayer can change hearts and it's good Wi-Fi all the time. I mean, prayer is good all the time. And instead of worrying and being anxious, you say, God, I'm, I'm facing this problem, and I don't know what the answer is, God, but I'm going to give this problem to you. I'm going to trust you with this problem. And incidentally, that also means you're going to surrender to God's timeline. That also means you're going to depend on him, and it's not critical for you to know everything. Hello, control freaks. It's okay. You're going to give it to God, and you're going to surrender to God, and then you're going to thank God. You're going to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I'm going to trust you with all of it. And here's the consequence for that kind of prayer. Here it is. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Isn't that good? If you do that, you'll have peace in your mind and peace in your heart. So God tells Isaiah, 
Verse four, he's, remember he said, he, said, uh, he said to him, be careful. Say, be careful with me. Be careful. Keep calm and don't be afraid. Remember, he's shaking like a what? Like a, yeah, he's shaking. He's, the guy's afraid because he's got, these other guys have numbers. And they're stronger. And he's concerned about him, his family, his home, his nation, his people. And God says, be careful. And the reason why behind that is, is here's what you need to know, is, is when you are gripped by fear, or you're gripped by anxiety, or you're gripped by worry, you can say things that you shouldn't say. You can make decisions that you shouldn't make. You could act prematurely, and you could make a mess because you were... Yeah. So, so God tells Ahaz, be careful. Say it again with me. Be careful. Be careful. See, some, some, some of us operate out of anxiety, out of fear, out of worry. And we live in that place. And God doesn't want you to live in that place. And verse 4, this other thought, he says, he says, tell him he doesn't need to fear the fierce anger of those two burned out embers. So God is, is saying, look, you know, you're, you're afraid and you're worried for your life and your family and your children. I mean, literally, this is like what he's afraid of. And I think most of us, we've never kind of had, I mean, at that level, that kind of fear and that kind of worry. But, but here's what he's telling Ahaz. Um, you're looking at this through the wrong set of eyes. You, you need a new perspective. This is how Ahaz sees the problem right here. Ahaz looks at these two kings like they're a raging fire that's going to devour them. This is my problem. It's going to overtake me. This is what's going to happen. And, and this is going to, I'm going to, it's going to change my life and change my life. I'm going to become a slave. I'm going to, I'm going to die. And my, my, you know, this is where I'm at and my finances and health or whatever it is, my future. And I'm just gripped. And this is what he sees right here. And, 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 and God says, no, 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 no. This is what I see, Ahaz. This is what I see. It's not a problem. And he calls these two kings burnt out embers. Burning out. You have any problems like that? Some of you, you do. You see a problem. Go back to that fire, would you, test? And, and, and you see like, that, like, like, okay, this is my problem. I'm worried for my kid and... Worried for my finances and worried for my future and worried for my job and worried for my welfare, whatever it is. And God says, no, 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 you're looking at things with the wrong eyes. You need to look at the situation through my eyes. Here's the situation. That's beautiful, Tessa. It's a perspective issue. And God's trying to bring Ahaz along Almost, I, I get this impression like he's holding him by his shoulders, like, come over here, dude. Let me show you another way to look at this. You're so freaked out. You're shaking like a leaf. Let me just show you this is what's happening. You don't have to worry. Now, God is doing this. God is very intentional in Isaiah chapter 7 to come alongside this unrighteous king. The guy takes him by the hand. I mean, you see this through this whole thing. He takes him by his hand. He's trying to tell Ahaz, you're worried about something that's burning out. And some of you are worried about something that's burning out. It's not going to be in existence in a matter of weeks or months or maybe even a year. It's not going to be there. 
I know right now it looks like a raging fire, but you give it to God. God will take care of it. In John chapter 5, Jesus said, my father and I are, are always working and so am I. My father's always working, so am I. And you need to understand that God's always at work. He's always at work. Even when you don't know it, he's at work. You pray and God's at work. And you wait and God's at work. God's always working. Louis Giglio said to us, waiting is wasting. To God, waiting is working. I think about some characters in the Bible, like Abraham, the guy waited for like 25 years to have a kid. He had this word from God that he's going to be the father of many nations, and then he waits for 25 years. Nothing happens for 25 years. What was happening in those 25 years? God was working. And in fact, Scripture says Abraham learned to be righteous while he was waiting. While he was dependent on God, he learned to be righteous before the prayer was fulfilled before the baby came, baby Isaac, before that happened, Joseph waited 13 years. Joseph had a dream. Anybody have dreams? Joseph had a dream. He has this dream that he's going to, his brothers are going to be bowing down to him. It was a good dream for him, bad dream for brothers, right? He has this dream and he waits and all kinds of things happened in those 13 years. The brother staged his death. He was sold to Egypt as a slave. And there's this woman that came on to him and and wanted him in a bad way. And Joseph split and he got thrown in jail and all kinds of stuff. He's waited 13 years and it didn't make any sense. But during that time, Joseph learned to trust God. And eventually he was promoted to be VP of operations, all, all of Egypt. But he learned to trust God. By the time he got to that position, he had an awareness that he was there because God put him there. Do you hear that? And that's what happens when we wait and trust God. We're like, okay, I'm keenly aware God put me in this position. I'm kind of excited about CU Buffs. I'm just telling you guys with Deion Sanders, I'm going to, that's my, I'm old school though. I'm like, okay, what's going to happen there? And he keeps on saying God put him there. I don't know about that, but I, I know about Joseph and I know about Abraham and I know that, but I, I just, I just excited. I mean, what is God going to do? He's not, he's, he's working all the time, even when you're waiting. Another guy I think about is David. David waited 15 years. Samuel pours oil over his head and says, you're going to be, you're, you're next. You're, you're, you're up. Get ready. Get your bat. You're up. 15 years. All kinds of crazy stuff happens. Kills, you know, kills the giant and <clears throat> women sing about him and gets a job to work with a king and spears thrown at his head and he ducks a few times, becomes a fugitive. 15 years, just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, hiding in caves, running for his life. But he's learning to trust in God. And you know what? Some of his best songs were written during that time when he was running around, hiding in caves, trusting the Lord. By the time he became king, He was a man after God's own heart. He got it. And sometimes God says, okay, the timing is not right because you're not right. Oh, I didn't share that last night, guys. Sometimes God will say, you know what? I'm still working on you. Uh, You may not understand this, but you're the project. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them you're the project. You're the project. The problem's not the problem. You're the project. It's you. And God's working on you. He wants you to learn to trust him. It pleases God when you trust him. 
It pleases God when you say, God, I'm going to give you this problem and I'm going to step aside and I'm going to trust you, God. That pleases God. Your life is not in the hands of your boss. You know that? You have breath in your lungs and blood in your body and God is with you. God is taking care of you. Joyce Meyer said this. She said this. There are times when God leaves huge question marks as tools in our lives to stretch our faith. Isn't that true? Sometimes God just leaves big question marks and you're like, I don't know about this relationship, God. I don't know where it's going. I don't know about this decision. I don't know about this. I don't know. Big question marks. Like, I don't know how this is. And you know what happens? God leaves those question marks there because he wants to test your faith. It's like, are you going to keep walking with him? Are you going to stay faithful? Are you going to take matters into your own hands? Are you going to keep spending time? Are you going to spend time with God? Are you going to go to church? Are you just going to stop going to church and you're just going to, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when those big question marks are just kind of sitting out there? When the time is right, glory to God, God will reveal everything to you. Well, verse five, here it goes. Yes, the king of Syria and Israel are plotting against him saying, we will attack Judah and capture it for ourselves. Then we will install the son of Tabeel as Judah's king. But this is what the sovereign Lord says. This invasion will never happen. It will never take place. For Syria is no stronger than its capital, Damascus. This is leadership right here, guys. Damascus is no stronger than its king, Rezin. In other words, God knows the hearts of the leaders. And the hearts of the leaders are not right. So the nation's not right. As for Israel, within 65 years, it will be crushed and completely destroyed. Israel is no stronger than its capital, Samaria, and Samaria is no stronger than its king, Pekah, son of Ramalia. Unless, oh, check this out, guys. Unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. And he starts off by saying, this, you know, that raging fire that you see, those two guys, it's never going to happen. I mean, God is totally giving, giving Ahaz the inside stuff, like the skinny on this whole thing. It's like, I don't even know if he can get credit for faith because he's telling him everything and he's saying, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And he's worried and he's like, don't worry about it. Mark Twain said this, 98% of what I worried about never happened. Hello. I'd like to ask some of you older saints that question, how much of what you worried about actually happened? There was a study by Penn State and, um, they did a same similar study over a group of people, and this study revealed the same results, and their number was 91%. That's what Penn State said, 91%. So literally, the things that you worry about are literally a waste of time. I mean, it is the epitome of a waste of time. Um, it, it won't happen. Here's this. The real battleground is not what's being played out in front of your eyes. It's what's being played out in the theater of your mind. That's the real battleground right there. That's it. It's just what might happen, what you, know, what you think will happen. Um, you need to understand something. This, what are the purpose of this book right here, of God's word, is to teach you how to think. It's to teach you how to think. To know what's right and what's wrong. To know what's good and what's evil to know how to be, uh, make better decisions. It's to teach you how to think. Part of our problem, guys, is we've grown up in a home where we didn't learn how to think very well. 
Parents, your number one job is to teach your kids about Jesus, but it's to teach them how to think. To teach them how to think. In fact, Romans chapter 12 says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, this is not about like self, you know, effort, self-will. This is not about, I'm going to think positive thoughts. I'm going to think positive. No, 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 no. This is letting God change you. Letting God have his way in your heart. Letting God teach you how to see things, how to think. Think of things that are true and lovely and good report. Think of things through the eyes of God. Learn how to think. You ever been around people who don't know how to think? There's a difference. There's a difference. And then this, this phrase, verse 9, he says, um, unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. Unless you're... Now, that, that part right there just blew me away because, I mean, this, this is God. This is God. But God honors this thing called moral volition or free will. Each of you right now, you have a freedom of choice that God has given you. That's what makes us unique from angels. You get to decide whether you're going to go left or you're going to go right. You get to decide whether you're going to come back to church or stay home and whatever. You get to decide whether you're going to receive Jesus or not receive Jesus. You get to decide whether you're going to trust God or not trust God. You get to decide whether you're going to say that or not say that. You make that choice. And the crazy thing about this is you have a God who respects that. See, behind this whole thing is you have a God who wants you to choose him. He wants you to pursue him. He wants you to chase after him. He wants you to yearn for him. He's not going to twist your arm and say, you better, you know, you better come. He's, that's not God. And God tells Ahaz, check it out, unless your faith is firm. Unless your faith is firm. The crazy thing about this whole thing, too, is everything's riding on the faith of Ahaz. I mean, what a crazy thought. Your faith can potentially determine your destiny. Is that crazy? Your faith in God can determine your future life. Your faith in God. But here he says, but he says this. He says, I cannot make you stand firm. You know, the, the, here's the bad news. Here's the sad news in this whole story is Ahaz couldn't do it. When you keep reading about the story and, and, and you read about what happened in this battle, and, and you can read about this whole battle, guys, in, uh, in, uh, in uh, 2 Kings uh, chapter 28, you read about it, and also in 1 Kings. But you, you, you read about it, and you know what happened? 120,000 men in Judah died in one day because Ahaz couldn't do it. And in fact, 200,000 men, women, and children were taken captive. The ramifications, we don't think like that. But your faith or doubt has consequences that don't only affect you. That don't only affect you. And one of the lies of the devil is you make decisions and it only affects you. Right? 
it kind of changes a little bit when you have kids. You're like, okay, now my decision is going to affect my kids. You kind of think a little bit differently, but think even bigger than that. Your faith can affect a whole generation. It can affect your whole family. It can do that. I was the first one in my family to come to know Jesus. Now uh, many of my family members know Jesus, and not, not because of me, but because of what God did. And they live all across the country. Your faith impacts others. Verse 10 says this, Later the Lord sent this message to King Ahaz. Here it comes. Ask the Lord your God for a sign of confirmation, Ahaz. Make it as difficult as you want, as high as the heaven or as deep as the place of the dead. So now God tells Ahaz, look, I told you to trust me. I told you not to worry. You're worried about these two kings and you're really freaking out over them. Here's what God's going to do. Okay, ask anything. Here it is. It's like a blank check. Ask anything. I mean, Ahaz could have said, okay, we'll make the sun stand still for five days. I don't know. He could have said, I, I, here's what I want to do. I want to fly. I want to fly like Superman for, for, for two days. I want to just fly around. I mean, he could have anything. God can just go. I mean, nothing is impossible for God. And, God. and God says, okay, ask anything you want. Anything you want. He's trying to help Ahaz out. And check out Ahaz. The guy's such a coward. The king refused. No, he said, I will not test the Lord like that. He told God no. Then Isaiah said, listen, well, you royal family of David, isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? So God's a little ticked off because he said, I'm trying to help you out. Ask anything. If you ask anything, I'll help you out with your faith. And this is an opportunity right here. It's like the moment, like you don't understand the, the gravity, what's at stake with you even being at church and your decision to trust God. You don't understand the gravity of that moment. It's a huge moment right now laying down in front of you, a huge moment to trust God, a huge moment to trust Jesus. That's a huge moment. And God gets ticked off and he says this, all right then, say all right then with me, all right then. Say it with some attitude like you're from the South. You know what I'm saying? All right then. Mm-hmm. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Here it comes. Look. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. NASB says it like this. Therefore, the, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Isn't that beautiful? Glory to God. And behind this whole story is there was about to be a huge war. And there's this king that God's working with, Ahaz. And he's saying, don't worry. Stop worrying. Stop being fearful. Stop being anxious. Stop freaking out. You don't have to worry about them. It's not a bonfire. It's a burnout match. Would you stop worrying about them? Put your faith and trust in God. Give the problem to God. Stop worrying about them. And God says, all right, all right, all right. Since you're not asking for a sign, here's the sign. A virgin's going to have a child. And his name is going to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. I think, you know, it seems so random when you look at this messianic prophecy. Like out of all places, why would God interject a messianic prophecy in the middle of this story? 700 years before Jesus was born. But I think the message God was sending to Ahaz was, you know what, if I'm with you, it's enough. God with us. If I'm with you, 
You don't have anything to fear. Even two nasty kings that are coming down on you. If I'm with you, you don't have to be afraid. If I'm with you, I'll take care of your future. If I'm with you, you don't have to worry about nothing. Think about that. Do you believe God exists? Do you believe God loves you? Do you believe God wants to have a relationship with you? Do you believe God is all powerful? Do you believe God is all knowing? Do you believe God is all present? Do you believe God is available for you and God is with you right where you're at? Well, check this out. If you believe this, you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about anything because God is with you. You don't have to worry about that problem. Glory to God. You don't have, you got no worries. Nothing. God will take care of the future. He'll direct you on where to go. He'll watch over you. God is so good. Because truth is, when you're worrying, you're questioning the sovereignty and the power of God. You're questioning the character of God. God, I'm not sure if you're really going to watch over me. I'm not sure if you really love me. That bothers God. He loves you so much. So it's all about this, this life of faith and saying, God, I know you're with me and that's enough. You're all I need. I'm not going to worry about illness. I'm not going to worry about COVID. <laughs> I've been there before. I'm not going to worry about life or death. I'm not going to worry about future. All I want is Jesus. All I need is God. That's all I need is Jesus. I don't need anything else. I don't need anything else. All I need is Jesus. All I need is him. Here's the message for you. When you look at Ahaz, you see a guy who's like this, right? That's who he is. The guy doesn't have a relationship with God, doesn't trust God. He's full of anxiety, grips him, worry, choking him. Fear, fear has a hold of him. And he's imagining things as if it was reality. It hadn't even rea- hasn't even happened, but he's making decisions based on what he's thinking. His thinking's not good. It's not centered on, on God, certainly not centered on Christ, but it, 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 that's the condition of Ahaz. So here's the message for you to go home with. I want you to remember this. Here it is. So I'm going to say it exactly this way. Here it is. Here it is. Don't be an Ahaz. You like that? What are you thinking about? <laughs> don't be an Ahaz. Don't be an Ahaz. Turn to the person next to you. Just tell them, don't be an Ahaz. Don't be an Ahaz. That's way worse than the other one. Don't be an Ahaz. Don't be an Ahaz. Don't be an Ahaz. Glory to God. Church is fun, isn't it? The word of God is beautiful. Don't be an Ahaz. Don't be an Ahaz. Put your faith in Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He's the only mediator between us and God. He is the river of life. He is the prince of peace. He will take care of your life. All you have to do is put your faith and trust in Jesus, and he'll take care of everything else. Don't be an Ahaz. (laughs) Don't be an Ahaz. God's presence is enough. Psalm 130 says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. Isn't that a good word? We can put our hope in God. God has promises. God has a future for you. But it's up to you. Remember what God told Ahaz? 
stand firm, but I can't make you stand firm, right? It's a choice. You're at church today. It's a good day. It's a good day. It's better than you think. And God is with you. And that's all you need. God loves you and he'll take care of you. He'll watch over you. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. And I I just pray for my brothers and sisters here. And those of you who don't know Jesus, now's your time. Here it is. If you want to know Jesus and you want to become a Christian, say this. Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I give you my past. I give you my present. And I give you my future. And I want you, Jesus, to get behind the steering wheel of my life. Others of you, I'm calling out all of you Ahazes. Stop worrying. Stop being a slave to your thoughts. Stop living in a state of anxiousness. You don't have to fear anymore. It's just a burnout match. That's all it is. It's just all smoke. And say this, say, God, I don't want to be like Ahaz. I don't want to be an Ahaz. I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. I trust in your promises for my life, and I'm going to live by faith. And right now, I give you my problem. I give you my worry. I'm not going to shake like a leaf anymore. I want to sleep at night. So God, take it. Have your way. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.